Reddick starts to walk toward midcourt. He makes this one ball game. podcast where we relive some of the greatest March moments with the very people who created them. My name is Russell Steinberg. If you missed our last episode, go back and listen to former VCU player Bradford Burgess take us through the Rams' 2011 run to the Final Four. Today, we welcome Hall of Fame head coach Jim Calhoun to the podcast. In his 26 years coaching the UConn Huskies, Calhoun won three national championships, went to four Final Fours, and was part of countless March memories. One of those memories came in April of 2004, when the Huskies staged an epic comeback in San Antonio to beat Duke in the national semifinals. That game is remembered for Emeka Okafor sitting almost the entire first half with two fouls before coming back to lead the Huskies down the stretch. Calhoun talks about how he managed Okafor in that game and how he guided what he calls the most talented team he has ever had to a national championship. As always, if you haven't subscribed to all the years already, please be sure to do so. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Rate and review as well if you so choose. This is the final episode of what we will call this season of all the years. We're going to take a break for a little bit after this one and then start working on a new idea, which I will have more info about soon. But for now... Sit back and enjoy Jim Calhoun and one of his many shining moments. Going back to kind of the start of that year, you guys were anointed as the clear number one team. You had almost everyone coming back from what was a very good team the year before. Uh, when those expectations are on you and on your team, how do you kind of get ready for the entire slog of a season that's ahead? Yeah, you don't win a... Uh... You don't become the number one team in the country uh, in newspapers, in <laughs> magazines. Secondly, you don't win a season in the first game, or the first week, first month, etc. So, I, I, you know, but I can tell you how we used it, and, and I've done this before. We first became a top 20 team, probably, you know, 10 years or 12 years before that. I'd always say, hey, if they think we're a top 20, then they, all those people must know something, so we're pretty damn good. I remember saying that this year, well, I don't believe anything is done until it's done, but regardless, if so many people make you the number one team in the country, well, you guys must be really good. <laughs> and, and now we have, now we get a, the fun part about proving that. So we already know we're good. Can we be great by winning a championship? And, you know, it, it, there were some struggles, obviously, like every other team, but, um, but that was the most talented team I had and uh, just had a lot of answers for a lot of things. And I think that really was our thrust not to get hurt, Mecca did it a couple mm-hmm. times during the season, but Mecca over four. But, but beyond that, uh, that, that team, I, I always said that, you know, the 2011 team surprised a lot of people because we had so many freshmen, plus Kimball, which helps. <laughs> and on the other side, that team, I would have been really disappointed if we hadn't got pretty far. Yeah, uh, that, that 2004 team, you know, obviously you, you had the stars, right? You had Mecca Okafor, Ben Gordon, but you had so many different 
pieces that could, that could get you in so many different ways. What, what was it about the makeup of that team that, that made you guys so dangerous? Well, it, there wasn't much of ways you could play us. If you tried to speed us up, that was playing to our game. Mm-hmm. Ben could fill up. Give Rashad Anderson, who became, he played four years post three, the all-time leading three-point scorer in the league, a 6'5 shooter. Talik Brown, who was a great end-to-end player. Uh, and then we obviously had some really good players inside with Mac and, and, and Josh Boone and uh, Hilton Armstrong. And, you know, we were really good. I mean, Charlie John Waver. By the way, all the guys I just mentioned, except for Talik, were all first-round draft choices right. over the next couple of years. So that was a really talented team. We had answers for you, inside, outside. And said, if you wanted to, if you wanted to try to go inside against us half-court game, we're going to block your shots. We led the country that year with almost eight and a half block shots a game, um, per game. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to run, as I said, we could really run. So it's a hard team to play. And the, and the only reason I thought we lost any games, practically, was because of McBean out a few games. Yeah, and one of those games was right at the beginning of the season against the, the Georgia Tech team that you ended up beating uh, in the final. What what sticks out about that loss, aside from the, the health aspect, did, did you maybe kind of need that to not knock the team back down to earth a little bit? I'm really not sure about that because Mecca, who's like, you know, I always someone said, what does Mecca remind you of? I said, a prince. A prince coming over here because he had a regal feel about him. Yeah. And even though Mecca had other things in his life. He was a you know, four-year-old student, graduated two and a half years on an honors program. He was an incredible guy. Uh, it isn't what he said and what he did and how he acted that the guys always believed that we could do special things. And I, I truly believe that. I mean, getting right down to when we beat Duke uh, in the semifinals. I mean, Mecca was really a very, very special player, a very special person. And so, I don't know coming back to earth, but, you know, I think what it did is realization that this may not be a one or two game thing mm-hmm. at different times during the season and that became very difficult for us so I think I think the help to get Charlie and, and Hilton and Josh all first on draft choices and you know I mean Charlie played 11, 12, 11 years I think it was and those guys were really good basketball players but, I, but yeah I think a realization that that, that, that we, we could do it without Mac but we really really needed to develop other guys during that time and we talked a lot about that yeah, um, and one, one thing that I think has always um, helped your teams and, and other teams in, in the conference get ready for the tournament was just how rigorous the, the Big East was. And, and that year, I know they put a handful of teams into the tournament. Of course, you had your battles with Pitt, and Syracuse was the defending champion. Seton Hall, Providence were pretty good. Uh, what, yep. what was it like running through the the conference that year? You had some bumps in, along the way, but you know, still won the conference tournament. How, how did that get you ready for March? Well, we just got better. You know, the biggest thing was as talented as we were, we just got better. Mm-hmm. And not every team with talent, you got to get better from one year to the next. Because if we had been as good at the end of the old three season, we were in a national championship. We yep. didn't. And so, <laughs> you know, I told the guys, we're getting better. We got to show up with more answers. And that's my key in, in approaching every game. You got to have answers. And it may be mental toughness, it may be a lot of different things, but you got to have answers. And I, I truly believe, by the way, that. Uh, that's what we developed that year and we you know I was interested in winning the title because I think winning that title is important because it's such a great league if you win your hometown battles you're going to be good but I thought as much as anything else to be honest with you that uh, 
the opportunity uh, to grow a little bit. And, and by the time we hit March, to be at our best, I thought it was more important than anything else. Yeah, and, and that team, obviously, you know, they won the, the Big East tournament, had won it a couple of years before, too. They had won tournament games, had never been to the Final Four, at least not to that point, but you had. You were there in, in 99. What, what have you learned from your experience as a Final Four coach to that point, and did you change anything that second time around? Well, the first time was successful, and we beat a great, mm-hmm. excuse me, great Duke team, so... You know, to really think we'd have to change, I just think that overall and kind of showed over the next few years because it became 04 and then it became 09 mm-hmm. and then it became 2011 and then a lot of those guys wanted to, uh, to win one in, in 2014. And so we just kind of managed maybe our time getting down the stretch that, that we understood that it was great to win the regular season, but more important in many ways to win the conference tournament and of course then be as good as we can to, to get to, uh, uh, to March. Yeah, uh, as a coach who is bringing a team to the Final Four, what what does that week look like from you? Because I know that's a very hectic week, you know, preparing for a game, but also kind of all the outside stuff happening as well. Yeah, I do think that uh, I know over the years, I called some people in 99 before my first trip there, friends I trust, friends who have been there, and just got around more information and uh, you know, people called me after that, and I, I do think once you get there, you understand that the the media, which is great, because it makes it such a great, great. I mean, they they advertise even more so back then than it does even today because of social media. But regardless, I mean, I, I truly think you have to know when you have to close down. We get there, mm-hmm. I believe, on a Tuesday. We uh, in San Antonio, we asked them if they could open the uh, the March Madness uh, Expo put on by the NABC, and they did. And we got a chance to do that. I mean, have fun. Enjoy the fact that we were one of the best, fourth best teams in the country. We then did a little more stuff on Wednesday. Plus practice Thursday, uh, I believe, was a uh, Thursday or Friday was an open practice which every day. But we were practicing during that time. And, but as importantly, and most importantly, we, we enjoyed it. And then we got about Thursday night. We started to talk about shutting down, mm-hmm. getting ready for Saturday afternoon, and uh, and so you know. And, and once you talk about it once. But that was my second time doing it. A couple of years later, my third, then my fourth. You know what I'm saying? So you right. get very, very, not that it's an everyday thing because it gets bigger and bigger every year. It's an extravaganza and everybody in the world's pulling on you and you end up having cousins and uncles you never heard of. <laughs> you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is that I think going in with a plan to manage and in some ways have the kids enjoy the first couple of days. Don't make it like a death march. You know, we're not going, <laughs> we're not going to walk. But conversely, and then know about and as I said about uh, less than 48 hours cut it down on busy evening we started doing that became very regimented what we did after enjoying ourselves for a couple of days so yes I mean certainly you're going to learn some things and if you don't then you're only a fool knows everything yeah um, that, well that that Duke game starts and you know you get out to an early lead but then very quickly after that almost the worst case scenario happens which you know Mecca Okafor called for two fouls and you, you were always someone who Took a player out with two fouls in the first half, but given the way that that game had started to go, given the size that Duke had, did you ever consider putting him back in? Simply put, no. <laughs> no way. I, well, I, if we get down 12, 13, shoot, I think nine was our deepest. Yep. And what I tried to do was kind of keep a runner, not necessarily just on the score, 
obviously that's very important, but but it was really how the game was being played. And I didn't think we were being played that bad. We just missing shots we should make. And we weren't defending quite as well as we should. So, I, 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 I lied to America three or four times. <laughs> I have no, I'll get you right in, America. Don't worry. Because <laughs> like, when he got down six, seven, eight, he was getting nervous. But I always believed we could beat that team as long. I thought we could do a good job of, uh, you know, uh, double teaming Elton Brand, keep the ball away from them, stop the penetration of the guys, and, and, and defend, defend them better. And we did that. And by the time the second half came around, and, you know, we, we got a Mecca down the stretch, and obviously he was special. But, but you know, for, and Mike and I talked about this afterwards, you know, in the summer and that type of thing, just about how high was the defenders when you have Rashad on one side, Anderson, mm-hmm. Ben Gordon, the guy's going to go through in the draft, 11, uh, 11 years, 18 points a game career. I mean, we had, we, we had players and we were tough to stop. The biggest thing we had to do was stop them. And I think that's what we did down the stretch of the game in, the, in, the, in late in the second half. Yeah, in, in that second half, the, the last three minutes, you didn't let them score until uh, that three kind of at, at the buzzer that they hit. Uh, yep. What did you do defensively that was just so effective? I know. Like looking at J- at JJ Redick, you made him give the ball up on on one possession, and then the next possession, you know, Ben Gordon had had a hand in his face. What what was yeah. that defensive effort like well, I mean, down I mean, the stretch? I said El Brand before. I was really <laughs> thinking about '99. We did that, but, yep. but the adjustment you make very simply is how the game's going on. You knew Redick was being still today. He's one of the great shooters in the NBA and was a great great college shooter. Yeah, we we kind of they had good side, but we kind of took that away. We just had to make some adjustments on the way we're playing defense, and it means a little more help and recovery. It means get the ball out of the post, and particularly get, as you said, getting a hand up on the three pointers because Mike's teams have really, since he really came in, have really utilized that exceptionally well. Yeah, and and then on on the other end, Rashad hit two really big threes. It, he's got to be he's one of the most clutch three point shooters that that you've ever had. But where does he rank in that list? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is is that obviously we had a guy named Ray Allen who did really good, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, but but you know, the shooters are shooters. And Ray was a, a better player certainly, and, 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 and a little bit better shooter, uh, but a much better player than, than the Rashad Rashad. Though, like all shooters, Ray, Rip, some of the great shooters we've had, Ben Gordon, uh, they don't know what a clutch shot is because they just want to get the ball and shoot it. <laughs> That's a good thing. You know, some guys get the ball in the hand. Of course, you've seen it over coaching. They'll shoot it, but they're not crazy about shooting it. Where um, Rashad couldn't wait to get the shoot. He, he, Rashad, we used to the joke was he always wanted to be the hero in a good way. Mm-hmm. Laughable kid, likable kid. Um, yeah, no question that uh, he's a uh, that he was one of the better shooters in the class I ever had. And then a guy who came in with him that had a couple of big shots in this game as well was uh, was Denim Brown. Had two big shots as well. What what kind of player was he? And do you feel like he was a little underappreciated in his time at UConn? He's a kid who can have scored a hundred points in a game. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Now, yeah. granted, the competition wasn't great. Nevertheless, Denim got drafted in the second round. Uh, went up and joined Ray, tried to make the team, didn't do it, but and then actually played a little bit, but not overall. Then was a kid who I really liked as a kid. He's smart, hit, you know, kind of quiet kid, but but liked the game, didn't love it. That's probably when you're his size without a pure position. But he could do some things, and his biggest thing was that you know he tried to play well, just wasn't 
you have quite the passion of the other kid, that's not by the way to knock on the kid. That's mm-hmm. just very honest. I mean, Ray Allen, you couldn't get him out of the gym. Ben Gordon couldn't get him out of the gym. You know, so Ben, uh, all those guys, I mean, they, they, they spent a lot more time crafting games. But I would say between Rashad and Denham, two of the most underappreciated guys in the history of the program. Yeah, that's certainly true. And, I mean, they played alongside some of the best as well. So I guess that that's what happens. kind of comes with, with the territory. Arguably, yeah. the most valuable player we ever had was Mecca. Right. I don't care who we played. Uh, we had other great players. I don't mean that. I mean, but, but I'm saying to you, it, it, it's hard to shine that much when you're, when you're a designated shooter or, in, in Denham's case, a six-man. Right. Uh, you know, re-watching that, that Duke game, it – what sticks out to me about Emeka down, down the stretch is that, you know, obviously you remember the baskets he had, but Duke really didn't make it easy on him. Like, he had to take a couple of, you know, t- turnaround jump shots a few feet out, or he had to get that ball tipped from uh, from Josh Boone to, to put you guys ahead. What what made him so great down the stretch in that game? Yeah, you know, it's funny. He had a lot of desire to win. He wanted to be a football student. He wanted to be an All-American. He wanted to be National Player of the Year. He was all these things, by the mm-hmm. way. And, it, it, you know, and he strived for greatness. And, you know, and so it wasn't just in, if you saw him after, or, you know, he got a poor grade for him, that would be a B plus, A minus. And I'm saying he strived to be the best he could be at every single minute of the day. That's really unique, obviously. And, and he carried through with it. He's a, you know, obviously, um, one of the most special people, never mind just basketball player I've met. Um, he, he did marvelous things, averaged double-double for an 11-year NBA career. And, um, that's what made him, you know, he was one of those guys that lived in a gym. He worked like crazy when he was there on his game. Then he'd go study, then he'd go to the, you know, he's one of the, he was a renaissance man in many, many ways. But when he was doing what he was doing at the moment, basketball, obviously, and then he made a great living out of that, you know, he when he focused in uh, on a win situation, that's why we won an awful lot of games there against uh, UConn. Yeah, um, at, at the end of that, at the end of that Duke game, there he has to end up going to the line to extend that lead to four, really put it out of reach in the final yeah. seconds. But he wasn't a very good free throw shooter, and he missed that first one. What are you thinking as he gets ready to take that second shot that could put the game away? Well, you know, once again, he was an average three-point shooter, and he was exceptional at everything else. But when, he, when if you come down to a winner, he was an incredible winner. And I thought that he wouldn't think about missing it. He'd think about, how am I going to make this? And mm-hmm. honestly, so we go right back to his fundamentals. He's really, really incredible person, which carried over to basketball. Doesn't always do that, by the way. Yeah. Brilliant people, I'm not saying brilliant basketball, but, but he, you know, he, it, every one of his moves, when I used to teach him moves, all the time, he'd always ask, like, how am I going to do this? What for? I mean, I mean that's the same way with Fauci. If I looked at his career, I don't remember missing, you know, we were in a lot of games during his three years. I don't ever miss, remember him missing a big, big foul shot. Yeah, so, you know, he, he hit that second one to yep. win the game. Um, it felt like, you know, without any disrespect to Georgia Tech was obviously a, a great team, but it felt like that was the national championship game there. Did did it feel like you had just beaten maybe the other best team in the country? Uh, it did and didn't. It did because I knew we were the best team. Mm-hmm. And conversely, um, it's, you don't, 
what helped us, they beat us. Honestly. Mm-hmm. So there was no chance because these guys are better than you and these guys are tough. I never say better than you. But, you know, these guys have already beaten us. That's what we started talking about. And they shouldn't. They have no idea what's going to So I built their confidence up even more. But like every coach, you're much, you know, 99, we were underdog by Duke to 10. Right. And we were like 33 and 2. You know, we were right. And, my, and so this one, you know, I did everything to try to have them understand that no matter what we say, they beat us. And we, we and that for his we're going to have to adjust to. So I think we talked a little more technical that game only because of things we could do now with America. When America was there, we could obviously do some different things. Mm-hmm. Now I know after the fact, you know, you went on to go to two more Final Fours. You won another championship in 2011. But at the time, in that moment, did you feel like that second second title maybe elevated the the program to kind of a higher place than just a team that had done it once? Did did you feel that impact at all well, for the yeah, program? I, mean, I, I, I think when you can win back, to, you know, uh, a 99, a 04, and then Final Four at 09, 11, another championship during those eras, I think it elevated UConn to it. It still does today if you look mm-hmm. back at it because kids still, I talked to Danny Hurley and other people at UConn, and guys obviously know who Kimber is and they know who all these guys are. They know Ben Gordon. Uh, they know different players, and what I'm saying to you simply, when, when you're a four-time national champ, cause you, everybody thinks, well, you know, there's plenty of schools that have won more earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and that puts you in a different elevation. It doesn't make today any easier. What it makes is that you have other things to build upon when you reflect back on what the program has done. Mm. And and when, when you do look back, you had obviously so many different teams that were so good in, in, in one way or the other. What what do you think of simply when you think of the 2014? It's the best, talent, most talented team I've ever had. We didn't answer, as I said before, we were big, we were strong, we could run, we could handle between Rashad and Ben. And we played, we played a really good Alabama team. I still remember this. And mm-hmm. we had like eight three points by halftime, and they had beaten some people bad. And you know, we, except for for the really the Duke game, we beat everybody up pretty much else that we played pretty badly. Mm-hmm. We were a really good team. We were really, we were the best team in the country, and in my opinion, one of the better. We have six draft choices, and they end up having a. A rookie of the year, a sixth man of the year, Ben and, and Mac. I mean, we, we we were really really deep, and you know, it just was a, it was a team that, that that had its own particular style, big and strong. Yeah, it could get smaller and, and quicker. It was really one of those teams that uh, you only get you only put the pieces together and have everybody accept who they are and what they are. Charlie Villanueva, who was a big high school McDonald's All American, it was came off the bench right. <laughs> that whole year. Had an eighteen point game in the Big East tournament. We're back to coming off the bench. That's how, you know, that's how good that team was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said a couple of times the most talented team you ever had. Does that equate into the best team you've ever had as well, or is that a different question? Well, best team's a funny thing. The best pure team had to be a 99 because mm-hmm. after Rip and somewhat Jake Vosco, um, who played nine years in the league, and of course Rip was a terrific player in the league and a world champ, uh, you know, that was a very good team. If you ever broke it down, you'd find... We didn't have the answers that 204 had, no. Mm-hmm. We just didn't. We didn't have the size. I mean, we had good players, but we didn't have great players inside. And we had both inside and outside players on the other on the, on the 04 team. Yeah, that was, it was the most talented team. Yeah. The best, hard to say, is like, you know, what, what child do you like? I like all my kids. <laughs> so, you know, all the great teams I had, we had a couple of teams that, that, that it didn't get there. We were mm-hmm. tremendous basketball teams. Some of the teams... Two of the teams that Ray Allen and Deron Sheffield, that's as good a backcourt as you're going to have. And for whatever reason, just didn't get there. There's a whole bunch of 
great teams that could down, but pure talent and everything else, that, that, that was the best team I had. I think that the most exciting team I had was 11 because it was led by, a, by Kimba. So all the teams have their own story to some degree. And when you have the kind of success we were having, we're averaging about 26 wins a year during that period of time. I mean, you know, they, it's, we really had good teams. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go in, in a second. I know you got to get to the course, but uh, real quick. Like 35, sure. Yeah, uh, real quick is, there anything that you would want uh, fans to know about uh, about what you're doing at St. Joe's and what's coming up for you guys this year? Whenever this yeah, next well, season I starts. Coming up, not you, not yeah. Really, at this point, everybody says about what they're going to do. I said, no, the virus is going to decide what, right. what our reaction to it. Certainly, but, but the virus. But no, I mean, like we started the program as you know two years ago. First year was 16 and 12, and got to the finals of the mm-hmm. league championship. Last year we had a terrific year. We were 26 and three and uh, won 25 straight games, uh, got to the NCAA tournament, came back with three, actually four very good recruits, give them Tokyo, if you can get here, <laughs> from Boston. So we, I'm excited about that. You know, people always ask me, like, is it the same? Exactly the same. And by that, I mean, I understand that our center looks like a macro for what I am saying to you, that, that our players work as hard as they do it at, at, at UConn and Division One. They mm-hmm. want to win just as much. And, and, you know, someone asked me, like, will you ever get out of camp? Well, I do. I got a kid named Delshawn Jackson. He's 5'8", and 14, not 6 feet. He's like Kemba, but at our level, he's my Kemba now. And I just think that I love my guys at UConn, and I really care about my guys and love my guys at St. Joe's. It's, it's fun. We pack every game. I mean, gym is being built. Mm-hmm. We get 600 in our gym. It's packed every game, and it's, it's kind of a lot of fun coaching kids who, who want to win just like I do and want to grow. Uh, just like I hope they will. Once again, a big thank you to Jim Calhoun for joining us. I'm going to turn the Patreon off uh, for the time being, so if you are a supporter there, this should be the last month that you're charged until we start this thing back up again. And don't worry, when that time comes, you won't have to do anything else to jump right back on board. Uh, Before we wrap up here, I want to thank all of you for listening. I would not have made it these 12 episodes without all of the encouragement along the way, so thank you. Uh, Keep this podcast in your feed so you will be the first to know when we're back. And until then, take care.